Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunded campaign success and better physical product businesses. I'm your host, Matt Ward, and each week I interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert designed to help you take your startup to the next level. If you're interested in learning what we're all about and kickstarting your own crowdfunding campaign, check out artofthekickstart.com slash checklist. You'll get our entire guide to crush your campaign and take your business to new heights. But now, let's get on with the show. If you're looking to get fulfillment for your next crowdfunding campaign, make sure you talk to efulfillmentservice.com, the company that Art of the Kickstart recommends for any crowdfunders out there. Hey guys, welcome to Art of the Kickstart. This one's going to be an interesting one. We have four people on the line today. Today, we're showcasing Revols, more or less the coolest audio technology in existence. And we have their team on. But that's not it. We've got Roy Morijan of Command Partners. He's going to be taking over Art of the Kickstart. We'll be talking more about this later. So we're basically running an experiment interviewing one of the coolest crowdfunding campaigns ever. Thanks for coming on today, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And thanks for hopping on, Roy. Roy's going to be helping with Art of the Kickstart because he's a crowdfund genius. (laughs) I appreciate it, Matt. I'm looking forward to it. So we kick all these things off with some kind of quote, life quote, success quote, business quote. I want one from all three of you guys. What do you got? If you don't have anything good, just make it up. So so mine is uh, go big or go home. I like that. What about you, Roy? God, you, you got my tongue tied. I have no idea. That's I, good. I we want to put you. We got to put you on the hot seat. That's how it works. You it's got to be all about spot. spontaneity. My my quote for for more or less for for life is always never pay retail. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that works is in perfect. This never pay retail. <laughs> what about you, Navi? I guess my quote would be about uh, about startup life, talking about uh, brains and looks. But if you're in a startup, your your job is whatever needs to get done and. Get things done and move things forward. Get things done, move things forward. You guys are killing it right now. You've already broken 800,000. You still have forever to go. You're suddenly getting featured in all of these magazines because your technology is cool. Let's go back to the beginning. Where does this all start? Let's kind of get a little bit of a story. So the story starts when we were around three, four years old and we were playing hockey outside in Montreal. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've pretty much been friends our whole lives. We've taken different well, we've, we, we have different backgrounds. Uh, Navi's a mechanical engineer. I, I did, I'm in business. I did an MBA uh, out of uh, Queens in Ontario. We've always, we both had, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit. We've bounced ideas off of each other for years now. And Navi could probably talk more to the idea of the, the custom fit earphones. Yeah. So I've been playing with different ideas for quick custom fits for, by for a few years. Uh, started when I bought my first pair of sort of higher end audiophile grade in your earphones that to be honest they sounded great but the fit was was terrible and I couldn't stand having them in my ears for more than an hour. And I thought of different ways to to do something quick custom fit that you could do yourself at home and discovered this set of materials that I could mold with within approximately a minute. And like Daniel said, we always bounced ideas off each other and I I threw that one out there and it kind of stuck and so we started doing our due diligence, some prototyping, some patent research and took it from there. So you guys are bros. You're basically building this together. You're friends that have been together forever. How do you decide something's good? Why do you work with each other? You're kind of going through this and there's always this cool idea. Let's go do this. What about that? What do you do to vet something like that? Well, I think we're at, we're, we're both 29 and we're at the age where we can take risk 
but it has to be calculated risk. And so the first thing we did was we we looked at the market and we saw that premium earphones in general are in such high demand right now. We kind of tried to figure out why that was the case. And we realized that more and more people you know, have uh, phones and tablets and they don't, there's not just more people that have them, but more people are on them more often. And so there's a demand for earphones, which is you know an accessory to the tablet and phone that you're going to use more often. We saw those numbers rising and then we saw, okay, what in the, in the custom fit space is out there right now? And we noticed that there's nothing really, whatever is out there either doesn't work properly or is too expensive and too time consuming for the average consumer to actually buy. And so that kind of validated the need for a product like ours. Um, and that, that's really what kicked things off. So you've got this idea and you start rolling with it. You've got the business guy, you've got the engineer, but what comes next? <laughs> oh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a lot. Make sure people realize this because too many inventors and entrepreneurs don't realize it's going to be an uphill battle both ways. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a tremendous amount on every single side of this. We, you know, to do it, I mean, we're at the point now where we're, thank God we're having a successful Kickstarter, but that doesn't happen overnight. We, we started this January 2014. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff that had to get done in advance for us to be comfortable enough to put something on Kickstarter that was legitimate and could actually be delivered within the time that we're saying it's going to be delivered. So to answer your question, the first thing we did was we assessed our needs. And the two primary needs are creating a team, a competent and capable team, and uh, finding the funding necessary to fund this project. So those were, those were really the two first things that, that were on our minds. The funding in terms of crowdfunding or in terms of getting it going initially, putting the money in? Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Hey, every friend. Exactly. Exactly. Because before you do crowdfunding, you have to, you can't just have an idea or, you know, some sort of vague looks like prototype. It has to be something that, that proves the technology that's advanced enough. I mean, there are campaigns that don't do that, but we're not, we don't believe in that. And I'm, I can speak to the engineering side that we went through months and months of prototyping and iterating, coming up with different gel formulations, uh, going through the, the testing of you know, gels that initially didn't work at all to getting things down to molding within a few minutes down to molding in the 60 second target that we had set, many iterations of the geometry, testing with different people's ears and different, uh, different anatomy studies to find a geometry that would fit most, you know, pretty much everybody's ear. And there's months of testing that, that go into that before you even get close to the point of crowdfunding. And, and I mean, just to touch on that, we went as far as moving to China for 111 days. Uh, Where'd you go? We went to, we, we've been in Shenzhen. Uh, we got back, I think, three weeks ago. And so since then, we, ha- we were in Shenzhen. We were part of, uh, it's called Hacks. It's a hard, it's the number one hardware accelerator in the world. And they're based in Shenzhen. So we were working with them. That's actually how we uh, created the partnership with Onkyo. And so by being there, you're able to go to the manufacturers. You're able to see what's legitimate and what's not legitimate. And I think just form this base, which is so essential prior to launching any sort of crowdfunding campaign. Do all crowdfunders or all big time projects need to get over to China or wherever they're going to be manufacturing? In our opinion, yes. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I mean, for consumer electronics, chances are you're manufacturing in China. For other industries, maybe it's elsewhere. But I would say it's definitely essential to look into ma- lining up your manufacturing before you launch to know 
what's a reasonable delivery schedule? What are reasonable costs that'll go into actually manufacturing your product? Uh, it's if you if you wait to do that until after you close your campaign, I think you're kind of putting yourself behind uh, putting yourself behind the schedule in terms of actually being able to deliver. Yeah, and also what we learned is that every manufacturer wants your business. And so they're going to say anything. They're going to tell you that they have the resources and the ability to create any product, including your own. And unless you actually go to the factory and see what those resources are, you might know how, you might not have any other choice but to believe them. When in reality, a lot of these manufacturers, they just want your business. They're willing to say anything, but they don't, actually don't have the capabilities. Yes, they want to tell you, yes, they want to get started. And that can suck, especially when you get those samples and they look like shit. So you're getting, you're getting samples done. You're starting to work on this. You're starting to iterate and get the product better and better. What's that look like on a time frame basis when you're over there in China? I know prototypes can typically take quite a long time because the factory, I mean, what, they're probably popping these out every couple of weeks for a new prototype. What do you do in between? And when did you start setting up this Kickstarter campaign? Okay. Well, I, I can speak to the prototype iterations. The, this speed, like the timescales that they work on in China are completely different than we work on, say, here in, in Canada. So, for an example, if you're prototyping a PCB, a circuit board, in Canada, you go out, you get a quote, probably takes you a day or two to get the quote back. And then delivery for that PCB can be a week if it's rushed, probably more like two to three weeks. Uh, in China, you can get it two days later for okay, probably a tenth nice. of the cost. Yeah, and the shipping's going to be free and all that great stuff because they have a great shipping network. I was in China for six weeks. Yeah, so... So that ability to just iterate, I mean, what we were able to do in four months at Hacks is you, you wouldn't be able to do here because you can't turn around the prototypes that quickly. So there you make the physical mock-up, you make the circuit board, test it out, take the lessons learned, iterate again, do it again. And you can be doing this on a, a weekly basis if you want, rather than, you know, once a month. What were some of the other cool projects there? They, made a, they might make great clients for Roy. Roy's got a pretty, a pretty killer agency at this point. They're, they were all honestly amazing. They're in different fields. They're all in different fields, but they're, they're all incredible. Uh, you could actually go on their site and, and check out the most recent cohort. They're, I'll throw a link to that in the show notes, guys. Yeah, there, there's some cool uh, crowdfunding campaigns up there too. Uh, Grasp, Living Farms, uh, Aroma. So one, yeah, uh, yeah so, so Aroma is uh, customized coffee, coffee of your, essentially you get to control different aspects of the coffee. So I don't, I don't know what they consider. Do they consider it like the customized Keurig or? Yeah, it's, it's like an on, it's a coffee machine that integrates coffee science. So you can tailor all the properties of the coffee to the exact flavor profile that you want. Living is, living is bugs. <laughs> yeah. Living is, um, it's a kitchen appliance where it's basically a mealworm farm that sits on your counter. So you can produce your own insect based edible protein. And then Grasp is a, a bike lock that uses biometrics. Uh, it's a smart bike lock that is fingerprint controlled. Those all sound pretty awesome, actually. They're going to be killing it on Kickstarter. We'll see uh, We'll see with uh, the insect-based protein because a lot of people have the EU factor, but that does sound very cool. They, they taste really good. Yeah, and they're <laughs> they almost at their goal now. They're, uh, their goal is 100K, and I think they're at 95 or 96. They're just about to reach it. Oh yeah, they'll make it then. Once you get once you get above like that fifty percent point, people just want to see you make it happen. Exactly. So I have a question now for you, kind of geared more towards Roy. So 
into Kickstarter. Roy, I want some marketing questions for these guys because that's kind of what you do. Break down some of what they've done and why it's been so successful. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, the it, it starts with a, a killer video and obviously a killer product. And, you know, they've delivered on both of those there. So, so my hat's off there. I mean, obviously, partnering with a major corporation gives consumer trust, uh, which is always something that's questioned, particularly with crowdfunding. So for the ability to be able to get that is obviously critical. You know, the fact that you've been accepted into Hacks as well, who's, you know, obviously the world's you know largest, I think, ha- hardware accelerator. You know, the, these guys have, you know, killer application processes to get into there and the ability to push and promote products through that will eventually be delivered, you know, hopefully on time, but as killer of a product as you guys have promoted. So, you know, some of the things that I've seen on there, obviously the, the video is one, the, you know, beautiful photography of the product itself, which, you know, isn't the, the 3D renderings that we might have seen a few years ago, but obviously Kickstarter has cracked down on that. What I'm interested to know is how you guys started getting your first, you know, press hits in terms of, you know, building that momentum. You know, yesterday we saw that you were in TechCrunch and now today you're in CNN Money. You know, how did that all begin for you guys in terms of doing doing outreach? Yeah, so so that wasn't luck. Uh, we worked really hard on that. For us, right. what we thought was so vital to a successful campaign was showing off the product to to media that is respectable. Nowadays on Kickstarter, everyone has this fear, you know, that this project is just a complete fake. And so we decided to reach out. Uh, we, we had a local Montreal PR firm, uh, awesome guys, and I can, I can give you the link afterwards, to help us reach out to essentially the biggest outlets in the world. Luckily, they were interested. We got interviews with them. We did whatever it took to get there and not only pitch them, but actually get them to try the product. It was a risk on our end because if it didn't go well, then obviously we'd get terrible reviews, but it went great, which just added validity and credibility. And I think that kind of snowballed into other people wanting to interview us as well. So one thing kind of led to another. Plus, you have an awesome product that's killing it. And suddenly everyone wants to get on the bandwagon, like Art of the Kickstart and share your story. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So what did the prep work look like in terms of leading up to the Kickstarter, not just in terms of putting together the marketing plans, but some of the other stuff as well. This is often overlooked and it's typically the most important. Yeah. I mean, the advice that we got going into this was don't take it lightly. Have somebody oversee it. Like have somebody, you know, designated just as overseeing this. Uh, we, we brought on a marketing director. We brought on Tally just for that specific role and know that it takes like two months to do. And so we started, I think we started earlier. I think we started over two months ago. And we kind of assessed what needed to happen for this to be successful. So you need a good video. So you found a good video guy. You needed PR. So we found a good PR guy. You needed, you know, we, we looked at the most successful campaigns and we kind of replicated, tried to replicate what they had done because we figured if they were successful, then, you know, it's, it's a good chance we'll be successful also. And that process takes at least two months. Yeah. Cause there's a, a lot of thought and revisions go into planning. It's not just the video, but all of the content on the page, uh, the text, make sure the images look good, uh, a lot of graphic design, making sure everything's presented in sort of the, the clearest and, and the best way possible. So there's one really important question that we haven't really covered yet, and we might as well hit that as we kind of start to slow this interview down. 
and that is what the hell happens next. You guys are almost at a million. You're clearly going to blow through a million. You'll probably get into several million dollars because this is this is a kick-ass product. This is something that a lot of people want. And you nailed it on the Kickstarter. So what happens next? What are you scared of? And yeah, roll. Well, I mean, I think what are you scared of? The natural, you know, the most expected answer, which is the answer that is just on the top of my head all the time is, or the question that's on the top of my head all the time is, what if, you know, God forbid. And we, we never want to be in that position where we're late or we can't deliver. And so we're doing whatever it takes to deliver. We're going, like, I think a lot of companies kind of, wait till the end of Kickstarter to see how things have done. And once it's slowed down, then kind of go into the manufacturing and production and talking to, you know, whoever they're going to work with. Navi and I are going to China next week to start this process so that, you know, we feel like that's the right move. And so we're doing whatever it takes to, to make that product on time. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that have to, there's a lot of, Navi, you could, you could, there's there's a lot of work that goes into yeah. delivering a product. It's uh, not just you know finishing the design and handing it off to the manufacturer and they make it, but there are iterations of samples and sample tooling and engineering testing and certification, and all those things take time and and you have to go through all those steps to get a product out the door. By the time it's getting into consumers' hands, it has to be perfect. It has to be you know. To spec, it has to be certified. It has to work perfectly every time. Uh, you have to do everything you can to eliminate, say, manufacturing defects. And all of that requires processes that have to be put in place. And putting those processes in place is a combined effort between, say, us and the manufacturer. See, but the fact that you're worried about this, the fact that you've thought all this through, that's why you will succeed and you're going to be able to deliver on this because you've planned this stuff ahead of time. You're taking the action steps that are needed to get this product out there to people. I think that's cool. Devil's advocate question. How do you balance pushing the campaign with trying to prepare for the actual manufacturing itself? The the press, the interviews, everything that's going to get you guys more exposure, more sales. Uh, you make sure to have a team on board that could do both. So Tally is essentially responsible for overseeing the campaign. Now, if Navi and I have to go to New York for a day to meet with CNN and TechCrunch, we're going to do it. But for the most part, Navi is Navi's not working on Kickstarter. He's working on getting this product to market. Yeah, but the best thing about our team is we have a diversified team. Daniel and I and, and Tally, we have completely different backgrounds. So it's like I can handle my end of dealing with manufacturers, dealing with design and prototyping, and know that they have their side of business development, Kickstarter management, uh, PR marketing, all of that covered. And so we just have a really good breakdown of responsibilities. Perfect. Moral of the story, build an awesome team. And as a rule of thumb, I screw up these interviews completely. There's always something I miss. There's always something exciting. So two questions. Roy, what did I miss that you want to know about? And then you guys, once Roy's done, what is the last thing that you guys want to cover before we start to wrap this up? Sure. So my end, you know, we, we always at our agency, you know, battle sometimes with our founders and companies in terms of setting a funding goal. You know, one that's realistic and two that's certainly, you know, hopefully achievable where if you hit the minimum number that you guys are still able to produce a product. Was that something that you guys uh discussed internally in terms of setting, you know, a six-figure funding goal? Yeah, that was something we discussed quite a bit. Um we discussed internally, we discussed with our advisors at Hacks, uh, where do you set that goal? And you said it's a a combination of 
being able to achieve the goal on, on Kickstarter, but also knowing that if you like, just minimally achieve your goal, being able to actually deliver product. And so we, we surrounded ourselves with, with good people, both internally and externally. So we had discussions with our manufacturers to know that if we reached our 100K goal, that plus we have backing from hacks and we had some funding, we would be able to deliver Rebels to, to our backers, be able to deliver earphones. Obviously, exceeding the goal makes things, makes things that much easier and helps us scale faster. But we want to make sure that we weren't going to be in a position where if we just reached our goal, that we weren't able to deliver because then you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Are you guys, just as a follow-up on that, are you concerned about the, the fact that you guys will probably raise over $2 million? Uh, we didn't, yeah. Yeah, concerned wouldn't be the way I'd put it. I'd, uh, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, no, excited. I mean, the manufacturer's capable of producing the amount of units that's required. So, no. <laughs> and we, it's game time. Yeah, we, we discussed different scenarios with them. We, they're aware of what our funding goal was and what the production, like how many units would need to be produced, let's say, if we reached our goal. And also optimistically looking forward, what things would look like if we exceeded our goal and had to produce more units in the same time frame. But that's like well within their capacity. I'd add that somewhere in your campaign, just so people that might be worried about, oh my God, are we going to get this if they're way overboard? Just something in there that would help people, a little bit of reassurance. You'll get more backers that way. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, like Matt said, I mean, it, it truly does go back to that trust factor of, you know, is this going to be, you know, some of the, the, I won't name any names, but some recent campaigns that have come out, you know, saying that they don't have enough money or they've gone bankrupt and they're not going to produce a product at the end of the day. Truly conveying that trust to the backer, you know, is a critical thing and an element that we, we try to convey in all of our campaigns. I think now. And by being on Art of the Kickstart, you nailed it. You're good to go. Trust is set. <laughs> so last thing, guys. What should we have covered that we missed? What do you guys want to tell the world about? And then we'll give you guys your pitch, your plug, where people go in droves to buy your product. We didn't discuss this in advance. <laughs> oh, no pressure. I think, you know, you see all the success on our campaign. At the back end, we see a lot of cancellations, actually. And so one of the first things that comes to mind is to message these guys, these backers that have canceled, and to ask why. And touching upon what you guys talked about recently, Kickstarter still has a great reputation, but people are, are a little more, they're, they're more cautious in the purchases they make because of the past campaigns that haven't gone according to plan. We've done whatever we possibly can to make sure that ours does go according to plan, that we do deliver on time, that we, you know, we, we paid our dues. We went to China. We did all of that. And so, I just think that needs to be reiterated. So go reiterate that. That's your homework for today. So let's start to wrap this up. Thank you so much for coming on to guys today. Thanks for tuning in and being on the podcast, Roy. Now I got one thing for you. Where can people go find Revols? Why is this an awesome product? Pitch yourself, sell yourself. Let's see what you got Billy Mays style. <laughs> so regular earphones suck. They're uncomfortable. They don't fit well. They break. They fall out of your ears. And there's no good solution on the market right now. Every earphone company claims that they have perfect fit or that, but really they just give you 10 different buds and they don't fit properly. Your ears are as unique as your fingerprints. So when you go on revels.com, R-E-V-O-L-S.com, takes you right to our Kickstarter site where you could buy the most amazing pair of earphones on the market right now. 
They're custom fit. They fit perfectly. They're extremely comfortable. They don't fall out. And within minutes of taking them out of the box using an app on your phone, you have a pair of custom fit earphones that that are at a price, a fraction of a cost of traditional custom fits. And it's awesome because they don't have those little nubs that always fall off that they give you a million pairs of. Those are just a pain in the butt. <laughs> thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for tuning in, listeners. And Roy, thanks for coming on and taking over Art of the Kickstart. There's some pretty cool stuff coming in the future. Indeed. Yeah, thank you guys for having us. Thanks. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. If you've got a crowdfunding campaign coming up and are planning on crushing it, then I have exciting news. The Art of the Kickstart Crowdfund Academy is going on a massive listener-only sale. I decided I want to make sure more crowdfunders get access to the information and the step-by-step guides that they need to crush it. So for a limited time, the first 100 Art of the Kickstart listeners are going to get the entire 43-video Crowdfund Academy the step-by-step detailed guide where I walk you through exactly what it takes to crush your Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign for $67, originally $347. Artofthekickstart.com slash go. You can get the entire course, which will walk you through everything I do, everything that you need to know, and help you crush your campaign. Check it out. Artofthekickstart.com slash go. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart the show all about building a better business world and life with physical products i'm your host matt ward and if you've enjoyed today's episode you should check out artofthekickstart.com you can find access to all our past episodes get our kickstarter crush it guide and if you love the episode be sure to leave us a review artofthekickstart.com slash itunes It helps more inventors and entrepreneurs find the show and helps us get better guests on here to help you grow your business. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, have a great and productive week. Go build something incredible.